Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Forbidden Archaeology, Forgotten History, Divination, Magic, Crypto. <laughs> there we go. All right, Blog Talk Radio. Well, the songs and plugs haven't been working recently. Sometimes they work uh, a little bit into there, and this time it's just Radio Network. I turned it off. The volume's all the way down. Okay. Anyway, um, <laughs> welcome to another episode of Main Street Universe with myself and associate producer Janice R. White. Hello, Janice. Hello, everybody. And Janice is also the host of the World Reggae Party. Executive producer of the World Reggae Party. Executive producer of the World Reggae Party in FPA Radio Fairfax. And tonight we're not doing the show from the music studio, as you notice, because you don't hear me hitting any cymbals or drums in between everything I say, which is what I'm not sure if everyone enjoys, but I do. But we're in in-house today and just want to do some brief reminders that Janice also speaking of which is what I was going to get to next Janice is the hostess of Reflections and Rhythms here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network of which she's had a a few episodes right Karen Tate and a few Um, other guests um, Lilith Dorsey Lilith Dorsey Um, and a few others Um, so uh, that's a show that comes on once a month, maybe sometimes twice a month if she happens to have more guests. And we'll keep you posted if you follow us on Blog Talk Radio, if you follow Main Street Universe. Main Street Universe is the network on the network. So we're a mini network in the network. And then, of course, Main Street Universe, the show was the flagship show, the one that started it all, myself, Mr. Kevin Baird. And then, of course, after that, Janice came in. And want to remind everybody that we are a network of a few different shows, so including this one, the flagship show, on once a month on Wednesdays. Now, it used to be every Wednesday, and sometimes it's two Wednesdays a month, depending on if we get a really good guest or not. So, then on Fridays at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, depending on if she's on a book tour or not, sometimes she fluctuates the times, but again, if you follow us, you'll get an update in your inbox, and it's Jesse Ann Nichols George with her show, Code Connections. And that's every Friday. She's been with us now for about five years. She's a great host, very smooth. And she does a show for two hours. I just don't know if I can talk for two hours. And I can talk. <laughs> <laughs> I would just run out of stuff to say. No. I can reggae for two hours, but talking, I'm not sure. But she does a great job and has had some amazing guests on there. And a little while back, she had the New Age musician Stephen Haltburn and some other great people. And her thing is called Code Connections. And she's also the author of two books, technically, four if you count the workshop books. But one is Activating Compassion. And the other book is called You, Me, Life, Dreams. Yeah. One about. Excellent book. Yeah, the one is about relationships. And I always say that with her book, You, Me, Life, Dreams, is an advancement of, you know, men are from Mars, women are from Venus, and I think hers is a much more, it's like an adult version of that. (laughs) Not so simple. (laughs) But, anyway, um, then on Sundays now, 2 p.m. Eastern Time, calling all the way from the magical city of... New Orleans, Louisiana. Nola. Is our host, Mr. Darren Bouquer. And when the band was on tour, I stayed at his place, and it was right downtown. It was right where the French Quarter kind of borders the Treme, and so we could just kind of walk everywhere, and we didn't really have to bother with all that driving. Why would you drive in New Orleans anyway? Oh, no. Not in that part. Oh, it definitely is. One of the things I like about it. And the human energy and everything. But anyway, Darren is a palm reader, spiritual professional, 
tarot reader at Marie Laveau's House of Voodoo in the magical city of New Orleans. Louisiana. No lie. And he also does a show with us on Sundays. And then, of course, we have on Tuesday evenings, uh, Green Magic, Green Medicine, with your host, Miss Susan Weed, who is going to be our guest this evening. It's a half-hour herbal medicine class, and just talking about healing in general. It's at 10 p.m. Eastern Time every Tuesday evening. It's a half hour long, but a ton of information packed into one half hour. And I just want to remind people as well that attached to this show page, just like last night's show page, is the direct link for you to find and check out Susan's books on her site. Oh, yes. And there's a few other hosts that are returning to Main Street Universe. So we actually are working on having a lot more hosts. Sometimes we go through phases. I think at one time we had 11 shows or whatever going. I thought we had 12 at one time. At one time I think we did. And now we're kind of down to four or five people come and go, but we're kind of right on the border bringing a whole bunch of them back in. A lot of them are going to be once a month or something like that, like once a month, twice a month, maybe every other week. Some might be every week because the days are there, including the possible return of Brett Hillman, the possible, well, I know the return of Mary Phelan. She'll be back. Mary Phelan has been on the air here for telepathic TV for about 16 years, years yeah. here in local uh, Fairfax television, talking about all sorts of metaphysical matters. She's one of the great pioneers in this area who with that, yeah. including getting some harassment in the early days when she used to do that show. But she's returning as well as, I believe, Jim and Ashley Cash at some point may be returning with with their show, Woven Green. Uh, We have a Chinese herbal medicine practitioner who's going to be joining us, an acupuncturist and herbal medicine practitioner. Uh, Our friend Eric Broyles, who I work with at the health food store, may even be bringing in uh, Dr. Yu and a few others. So very, very knowledgeable interesting people may be joining the network soon. Well, I know some of them are. So it'll be filled with once a month hosts. So the activity will be the same. It's just that a lot of the shows will be once a month. So it'll actually make us larger in a way than we were because before all of our shows were once a week. Now it'll just be a whole bunch of hosts just once a month with some once a week shows. But anyway, uh, tonight our guest is Susan Weed who, as those of you who are familiar with Main Street Universe, knows she does our Tuesday night show, Green Magic, Green Medicine. And one of the things I love about Susan is she often debunks some of what you see as common, I guess, common alternative health knowledge that people, I hear it in the store all the time, and they'll just be talking, and I'll go, okay, I'm not sure about the science of that, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But anyway... Without rambling on too much, let's go on let's ahead go on. Get and Susan on. bring our guest on. Let me get the microphone. Welcome, Susan. Green blessings. Green blessings. Green blessings. So and glad to be with you tonight. I'm here with my five apprentices. Oh. Really? Okay. Interesting. Very good. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Welcome to Main Street Universe. <laughs> Yes, welcome. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. <laughs> all right, now there I feel more, I feel more pressure all of a sudden. Like, no, I do too. I'm in a crowd of like seven women now. <laughs> I'm the only guy here, I yeah, think. Yes, he's the only guy. <laughs> maybe, I don't know, maybe there's an friends. But anyway, um, Susan, I also remember some of the questions we'll be asking in an interview as they might be things that, we know about you, but we're talking as if talking to the audience, so I just want to clarify that. So basically, I found one thing interesting about your history, and is that you kind of brag about it straight away in your bio, and you say, I have no degrees in this or no official <laughs> diplomas in this whatsoever. So I'm curious if you can maybe tell the audience when you really first got started in herbal medicine like on a serious level. What I really mean is that no man has ever approved of me. <laughs> ah, okay. Right. No man has ever said I have permission to do what I do. 
and I am indeed very proud of it. And I have devoted one of the major energies of my life to seeing to it that herbalism and herbal medicine in the United States is people's medicine. And that means no licenses for anybody. And that that real health care freedom in places where herbal medicine is legal and paid for by insurance, it's as difficult to get as anything else. It's all those gatekeepers. No, herbal medicine is the medicine that grows outside your door. Is health care a right? Do we have a right to health care? We certainly have a right to know how to use what grows outside our door to maintain and regain health in a great number of situations. Now, granted, there are some pretty rare diseases, so there's some weird things going on. I am not in any way against modern medicine. If you know my books, if you've read my books, you know that my books include all seven medicines. Serenity medicine, story medicine, mind medicine, lifestyle medicine, alternative medicine, pharmaceutical medicine, and high-tech medicine. I want to be alive right now in the 21st century. I want to have access to all of that stuff, and I don't want to overuse it and misuse it. So I got interested in herbal medicine because I got pregnant while I was taking birth control pills. I was 19. I had never been pregnant before. I certainly didn't know, you know, what it was like. But when I got my second month's supply of pills, I said, could I be pregnant? And they said, did you take a pill every day? I said, I took a pill every day. They said, then you can't be pregnant. Why do you think you're pregnant? I said, well, I gained some weight. They said, side effect of the pills. I said, my breasts are bigger. They said, side effect of the pills. I said, and they didn't bleed very much this month. And they said, it's a side effect of the pills. Here's your next month's supply. When I came back at the end of the second month, I said, do you think I could be pregnant? And they said, did you take a pill every day? I said, I took a pill every single day. They said, then you can't be pregnant. Why do you think you're pregnant? I said, I gained some weight. Side effect of the pills. Look at my breasts. They did. Side effect of the pills. And this really not even like, not hardly blood, like not blood. Side effect of the pills. This went on for five months. And I went, finally went to, saved my money and went to a private doctor. And the private doctor, this was so long ago, my daughter just turned 50, that you actually went in your street clothes and sat down and talked to the doctor before you took your clothes off and were examined. So we were sitting there talking, and he said, you know, you're wasting my time. It's obvious that you couldn't be five months pregnant. And I said, well, why don't we, like, really waste your time and just actually examine my body and see what you think? Because I don't know. I'm only 19. So I laid down, took my clothes off, laid down on the examining table, and my daughter Justine went kick, kick, punch, punch. And he said, you have a viable fetus here. So we were talking in the days before sonograms. I was one of the first groups of American women to be taking birth control pills, and no one had any idea what the result of my taking birth control pills for the first five months of my pregnancy would be. Mm. However, pretty soon thereafter, I opened a newspaper, and there was a picture of thalidomide babies. Oh. Do you remember the thalidomide babies, Janice? I remember a little bit about it, yeah. Thalidomide was a drug. It still is a drug, and it's still used, but not in this way. And it was given to women with minor problems or no problems, actually, during pregnancy. And it caused them to give birth to children with no arms or no legs or no arms and no legs. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. And it scared me witless. Because I had already taken birth control pills for five months, so I just, like, went cold turkey on any kind of drug of any kind. Mm. So that for at least the last four months of the gestation, I tried to be, and again, this was 50 years ago, you know, you couldn't just go to the store and buy organic food. I was living in Manhattan. But I was, you know, really walking this line of not 
ingesting anything that could harm my baby. Nonetheless, like most pregnant women, especially in the last trimester, there was some, oh, uh, you know, it's not totally peaches and cream when you're pregnant. So I found myself one day walking up all those stairs at the main branch of the Manhattan Public Library, right in between those stone lions, and walking in there and saying to the librarian, do you have any books on herbs? And she got from me the four books that the main branch of the Manhattan Library had on herbs. Okay. I've now written five books on herbs. If I had read, say, Russian or German or French, I probably probably would have had more books, but I only read English. And of those four books, three of them told me to put basil with my tomatoes and dill with my cucumbers. And that's very good advice. But it wasn't exactly the advice I was looking for. Now, my first, shall we say, real interest as a naturalist was in mushrooms. And I spent a great many years belly down in the forest identifying and working with mushrooms. They remain a great passion of mine. And the mycelia of the mushrooms, which underlies all of the life of the plants on this planet, is truly a wondrous and amazing thing. Paul Stamit's book, Mycelium Running, is really must-read. If you want to understand what's going on with life on this planet and how we can participate, really fully participate in life on this planet. So I was very interested in herbs from a cooking standpoint. I don't want to poo-poo basil with your tomatoes and dill with your cucumbers. It's really good advice. And I had in a way, come into herbs by cooking with them. I began to notice as I was trying out cooking from various regions of the planet that the basic ingredients are the basic ingredients. You got your rice, you got your potatoes, you got your tomatoes, you got your lentils, you got your beans, you know, you got your basic ingredients. And what made it from India as opposed to from Italy was what herbs and spices you used. And so that really fascinated me. And I'm very sensual and body-oriented person. And so I set for myself the goal of knowing every culinary herb blindfolded. Interesting. And I was actually aided and abetted in this endeavor by a new store that opened up very close to where I was living on Avenue A in the Lower East Side. And it was on First Avenue. It was Pete's Herbs and Spices. And Pete and I loved to see if we could find a new herb or spice to try on each other. So, okay, close your eyes. What do I? What is this? You know. So we really helped each other along. Keels was really thriving in New York City at the time, and of course, Keels at that point was not what it is today, which is a lot of very nice cosmetics. Keels at that point was a real herbal apothecary. I went in there and asked for an aloe leaf. And they gave me a 20-pound aloe leaf from Africa. Wow. wow. Yeah, they were really doing stuff at Kiehl's in those days. But eventually, you know, I moved up to the country. I noticed that my daughter, like when I would take her to playgrounds, she would only play with the adults. So I said, you know, if I'm telling myself I'm staying in the city so that she can play with peers, it's not really happening. So then I just gave myself permission to move to the country and move to an isolated situation. And I scratched out a little garden and I planted basil and dill, of course, with some other things as well. And then nowadays, when you buy packages of seeds, they're really kind to you. They actually show you what the little seed sprout looks like. Now, you often have a drawing of it on the package, but back then they didn't. So I planted all these seeds, and then I watered everything, and the sun was shining on it, and the entire space was covered in green plants. I thought it was just going to grow where I'd planted them. There was all this stuff growing, and I, you know, I, I wasn't even really sure what was the basil and what was the dill and what was the parsley and what was the weeds. 
So I didn't really feel like I had any choice except to let it all grow so that I could figure out what it is. And lucky for me, Yule Gibbons, in his wonderful work on edible wild plants, was really coming into prominence at the time. So that I encountered his books, including working with the healing herbs, and I began to realize that the weeds that were growing in my garden were more valuable both in terms of their nutritional value and in terms of their medicinal value, than the basil and the dill and the parsley. Not to put down basil, dill, and parsley. They are wonderful herbs. So that really got me started. Being fascinated by the weeds and fascinated about what does grow right outside our back door. Now, one day I was driving to town, and beside the road was a woman who looked to be about 11 months pregnant, and she was holding a baby in her arms, and on the ground on either side of her were enormous bags of laundry. So I did the only thing that could be done in such a situation. I stopped. I put the laundry in the car. I put her in the car. I put the baby in the car, and off we went to town, and we did her laundry. And while it was in the washing machines, and while it was in the dryers, and while we were folding it, we talked. And we found that we had quite a bit in common. And one of those things we had in common was we were both really fascinated with plants. Now, meanwhile, I had decided that I wasn't going to buy the socially acceptable I go out as a single mom and work at a job to pay another woman to take care of my child. I said, I'm going to do the socially unacceptable thing and go on welfare and be supported while I take care of my child. Because I want to spend this time with my child. This is important time to me. And as anyone can tell you who is living on welfare, it is enough to live on, but it is not enough to do anything else. And I had a growing child, and we weren't importing shoes from China at that time. Shoes for children were very expensive, and they outgrew them very fast. And I was complaining to somebody that I knew about not being able to buy shoes for my child and feed her. And this someone said to me, you know what you should do? You should teach at this local community college because they'll pay you, and a princely sum was named, to teach there. And I said, oh, well, but I couldn't do that because I never graduated college. I dropped out of college to have a baby, and I never graduated high school because I dropped out of high school to go to college. And my friend said, "Ah, no, it doesn't matter. They're looking for people who are passionate about what they're doing, and that's who they want to teach. These are adult education courses, so I thought about it. And I called up that community college, and I said, I want to teach a course on whole wheat bread baking. Whole grains are really incredible. They're so important in our diets. Well, this was over 45 years ago, and I'm still feeling like people haven't gotten the message, but we're still saying, whole grains, hello, whole grains. They're really important in your diet. We had a great time. I called the class the best bread you ever ate. You make it yourself with love. And we not only made whole wheat bread, we made whole wheat muffins and whole wheat biscuits and whole wheat croissants and whole wheat bagels and whole wheat English muffins and whole wheat chocolate chip cookies and whole wheat breadsticks. And we just whole wheat did it up. I had a great time. I got some money. My kid got some shoes. The college said to me, you know what? People are really asking, could we offer them a course on mushrooms? And we hear you know about mushrooms. Would you teach a course on mushrooms? Hey, now i got two courses. I'm teaching a course on whole wheat, using whole wheat, and I'm teaching a course on mushrooms. This is great. Another semester passes, and the college says, would you teach a course on homesteading for us? And I said, oh, yes. Well, meanwhile... I had also branched out because I live in a great little area of where I live so that it 
kind of is in the corner of one county and where other counties come into it. And the community colleges were all really easily within driving distance of me of these three different counties. So I was branching out and teaching in other community colleges as well. So when I was talking to this woman, Ray is her name, um, and we found about our interest in plants, one of the things that she brought up with me was that she was struggling in her marriage. And this was a really typical marriage of the late 60s, early 70s. She would say, dear, I want to go with Susan to the consciousness raising meeting. And he would say, are my shoes shined? Is my shirt pressed? Is everything ready for breakfast? Do you have everything I need done? And if she said yes, then she could go out with me. He would come home from work fling his feet up on the table, demand a beer, and snarl about what a horrible mess the house was. You're home all day. Why can't you keep the house neat? She's got two kids in diapers. No woman needs to know what she was doing all day long, but he had no idea what she was doing all day long. <coughs> in fact, she told me, as we got to know each other and continued you know, to see each other, that she was really thinking of killing him. And I said, no, 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 no. You feel like you're in prison now, but will really be in prison, and it's not good. I said, you know what you need to do? You need to teach at a community college. She said, that's not going to happen. I don't have any degrees. I said, you don't need any degrees. She said, he's not going to let me out of the house. I said, you're making money. She said, you're right. He'll let me do that. It makes money. I said, what are you going to teach? She said, I don't know. i got to think about it. Well, a couple of days later, she says to me, I'm going to teach herbal medicine. I said, right, that is a great idea. I had in my homesteading course, which was eight weeks long, there was a segment on herbal medicine because I really believed that part of being a homesteader meant that you were taking care of yourself and you needed some herbal remedies to be able to take care of yourself. So she said, you know what that means? I said, what? She said, I'm going to teach a class on herbal medicine. I said, what does it mean? She says, you and I are going to have to study really, really hard every single day from now until when the class starts in September. And it was about this time of the year, in fact. So we did. She and I, her two girls and my little girl, went out every day with our field guides, identifying things with Yule Gibbons books and other books that were being published, figuring out what we could do with them, cooking them up, making remedies. We made this one soup. Mm, it didn't taste very good, but well, when we spilled it on the linoleum, did it ever take all the gunk off the linoleum? People stopped dropping by when it was dinner time because they were never sure what we were going to be eating. September came. Her class was a huge success in every possible way. She loved teaching it. The students love it. Her husband <clears throat> found out what she did all day with two kids in diapers. He was pulling his hair out, needless to say. By the time she got home from teaching, she taught another semester. The whole family was humming along so well, they decided to build a little camper on the back of their pickup truck, and go off in search of adventure. Well, two weeks before her herbal medicine class was due to begin, I get a call from Ray, and she says, we're not coming home. We found paradise. <clears throat> so I realized friendship probably was not a big enough lever, so I pulled out guilt. And I said, you have a class that's starting in two weeks. You have to come home. And she very nimbly sidestepped guilt and said, no, you're going to be teaching it. And I said, walk, squawk, yowk, what? I'm not going to teach any class in herbal medicine. You're crazy. I don't know enough. I can't do this. She says to this day that it was her task in this lifetime to dump her herbal medicine class on me. I thought <laughs> I'd teach the people who were interested and be done with it and go back to doing other things. Here I am all these years later still teaching herbal medicine. And Susan, we're just about at the top of the first half hour, believe it or not, and I was going to take a brief song break and come right back. Uh, we wanted to go over some, a couple of specific short point questions, like things that maybe, maybe you're a little different than from other people, like say that come into the store. I, I even want to talk maybe a little about special quote unquote diets and uh, other things. So on the on the second half here, and Janice has a, definitely has a question for you, very specific as well. So 
we will be back in just a second. We're going to have a song here. And this is, we're actually going to use our song from Green Magic and Green Medicine. This is from our good friend Kellyanna, who we have permission to use her song. And she's been on the show before. And this one is Blessed Are We. Blessed are we in the awakening dawn. Blessed are we in the morning. Blessed are we in the light of the day as we enjoy the afternoon. As we slip into dreams that are calling Blessed are we in the awakening dawn Blessed are we in the morning Blessed are we in the light of the day As we enjoy the afternoon People assume sometimes they say, "Oh, here's a lady who's a herbalist. Maybe she's, you know, kind of hippie, whatever." I think a lot of them might assume because I've had people ask me this because some people know who you are. And in the store, if I mention our show, they're like, "Oh, I know Susan Wheat," and or I know who she is, uh, but maybe not don't know that much. Maybe they've right. seen a book, but it, it, a lot of them might assume you would be all into vegetarian, vegan, raw, fruitopian, or whatever all these diets are. And I always wonder, because sometimes people come in with so much passion, and I understand that, and honestly, I, I have some dear friends that are on these diets, so I'm not trying to be too mean about it. And I'll get into a debate, and it's like, I'm not really sure. I, I don't see the 90-year-old who's on the raw diet, you know, that's like living this amazing, perfect, healthy, or, or whatever. So I'm wondering what your comment about some of the, the specialty diets and how easily they're promoted in some of these, like, health magazines as being the absolute 
way to go. You know, nutrition and food, as I said, was really one of my major interests from, you know, my teenage years on. And when I had my own child, not only did I sleep with my child, which, which really drove people absolutely crazy, they swore I would kill her, but I also began sleeping with U.S. Department of Agriculture Handbook Number 8, Composition of Foods. Now, not literally sleeping with it, because I didn't want to get it all yucky in the bed, but I spent a lot of time with that book, and it's still available. And what it is, is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of foods broken down into their nutritional gifts. Now, you don't have to go to USDA handbook number eight anymore because the Center for Science in the public interest has made it really, really easy for you. They have a chart called the healthiest vegetables, and they look at six nutrients plus a couple of other um, things found in foods, and they give it a number based on the percentage of the RDA that those things provide. Let's say that the recommended daily allowance for vitamin C is 60 milligrams, which it is. And so we have an orange. We say, well, that orange provides 200% or 300%. So that score would be 300. The highest vegetable on here is cooked Swiss chard. Right under that is cooked kale. They don't have it on here, but above Swiss chard would be cooked nettle. The lowest thing on the list with a score of seven is alfalfa sprouts. Wow. So what I did over a period of two years, without this kind of easy-to-just-read-off charts, and these are from the Center for Science in the Public Interest, they have one on fruits, on vegetables, and so on, um, was that I, with a marker, went through this book finding the foods that are now called nutrient-dense foods. The foods that I was going to base my diet on. This is how I got into whole grains, because it was very obvious from looking at composition of foods that enriched grains weren't enriched at all. As one of my early teachers said, give me a dollar. I gave her a dollar. She handed me a nickel. She said, you're enriched. I said, what? I'm not enriched. I give you a dollar. I get the nickel. She said, that's what they do to wheat. They take out 100 nutrients, put five back and call it enriched. So that was a very graphic demonstration of that to me. And one guru that I did find in the nutrition world who really appealed to me was Weston A. Price. Now, I am not saying by any means that Weston A. Price wanted to be a guru. He didn't. And what Weston wanted to know was what do people eat and how does it affect them? So I really loved his open attitude about it. He did. He wasn't going out with a hobby horse. He wasn't going to say, he didn't go out saying, I am going to prove that people thrive when they eat this way. No, he just really wanted to know, what are you eating? And he was looking at people who were eating an indigenous diet of foods that they prepared, hunted, gathered, uh, grew, but not any of the processed foods of Western civilization. And he was able, actually, through his travels north and south, east and west, to report on a great number of different indigenous peoples and their health, given a small variety of diets. One of the things that he reported was he found no natural vegans or vegetarians anywhere on the planet in their natural indigenous setting. Human beings are omnivores. People say to me, what do you eat? And I say, whatever does not run faster than I do. And that is a very human answer. We eat whatever doesn't run faster than we do because we are designed to eat a huge variety of foods. In fact, there are some people 
who believe that kind of the modern diseases that we deal with over and over are from a lack of variety in our food. The apprentices who have just been living with me for a week now have already probably doubled the amount of different greens they have eaten in their lives. Because most people come here having eaten a few greens, kale, Swiss chard, collards, and within their first week here, they're introduced to five or six wild greens that they can eat. All of which are much higher in nutrition than any of the greens that we can buy. So I have always resisted trying to change society by opting out. I have, during my lifetime, taken part in the civil rights movement. I am a feminist, a very strong member of the second wave of feminism. I have really seen, you know, a lot of what we can do to change our culture. I've, you know, worked for a lot of different causes, and what I have seen doesn't work is to say, I won't. Right. Right. I won't eat meat doesn't help animals. I will eat meat that has been kindly, humanely, and elegantly raised helps animals, and it helps family farms. And my kind of twist on this is that people who are vegans should not be allowed to eat organic food because it's raised with animal manure. Mm, okay. <laughs> Never even thought of that. <laughs> not having either. Only chemical food for them. If they don't want animals, that's, that's what they get because animals are the lifeblood of the family farm. And when we, people of good conscience, eat meat from family farms, then the farming situation really changes. About 15 years ago, Sally Fallon, the voice of the Weston A. Price Foundation, the, which is now called the Wise Traditions Foundation, you can find them at Wise Traditions, I think it's .org. Um, she and I were talking about 15 years ago, and we were really, really crying that family farms were disappearing. I think there was like a family farm disappearing every minute at that point. Right, there's a little bumper sticker. You may have seen it, No Farms, No Food, because the farms were disappearing so fast. And we said, what can two women do? And we decided that we would become meat activists, and we would go out and we would tell people to eat well-raised meat. And it really, in fact, worked. And the Family farms are thriving. The local food movement is thriving. The message has been gotten across that we're not saying eat no meat. We're saying eat less meat. You don't need a lot of meat in your diet. But eat some meat because it's healthy for you and it's healthy for the planet and the farms. So... No vegetarianism, no veganism, no raw foods. You can find my raw versus cooked debate on YouTube. My dear friend, Brigitte Mars, love you, Brigitte, decided that she was going to do raw food and actually becoming a leading light of the raw food movement. And so being Americans, we decided we ought to make some money off our difference of opinion. And we rented a video studio and videographers and a mediator, and we had the raw versus cook debate. And we were going to, you know, make this DVD and make a lot of money here. But when I saw what the DVD looked like, I, I said to Brigitte, I said, I, I can't do this. I can't sell this for money. You don't look good on this DVD, and you don't say things that are intelligent on this DVD. And so I kind of squished the whole project but somebody found it and posted it to YouTube, so you can find it there. And uh, kind of see, you know, what's going on uh, when we're talking about the difference between cooked and raw. And I often like to mention that there's not a single organism on this planet that is willing to eat raw food, even down to the soil microorganisms. If you plant a cooked sunflower seed and a raw sunflower seed, the cooked one will be eaten by the microorganisms because it's food, and the raw one will spout and grow because it isn't food. 
and I have seen that debate, and I, I remember you mentioning that you were friends, and I'm watching it going, ooh, this looks, uh, <laughs> at one point, I think she even put her book down or something on the table, and I remember thinking, like, gosh, you were clearly, I'm not trying to mean, but you were clearly winning that debate. <laughs> <laughs> So I hope that you're asking me something about yourself. And secondly, I don't treat or even know any herbs for conditions. I only treat or know herbs for people. Okay. Oh, okay. It's, yeah. hmm, okay. Uh, well, yes, you are answering the question for me. Um, hmm. I have hmm. a form of... It was an autoimmune disease, and I know you say uh-huh. diseases should treat people. So what I'm saying is, I I what I want to do is talk about how to make you healthy, not how to get rid of a problem. Okay, that works. Right? Yeah, that works. Because we aren't our problems, and I have a dear dear friend who has multiple sclerosis. And I think she's in her 30th or her 31st year since her diagnosis, and she has taken no drugs of any kind. And she is as healthy as she can be. Mm. And one of the things that makes her as healthy as she can be, given that she's had multiple sclerosis for 30 years, and yes, she's in a wheelchair, um, is that she drinks nourishing herbal infusions. Oh. Have you heard about nourishing herbal infusions, or shall I say a few words about them? No, say a few words about yeah, For the audience, yeah. Yeah. Nourishing herbal infusions differ from herbal teas in that a tea is a small amount of fresh or dried herb, which is brewed for a short amount of time. A nourishing herbal infusion uses a large amount of dried herb, never fresh, brewed for a long time. So to be specific, I would weigh out one ounce of dried nettle, put it into a quart jar, fill the jar to the top with boiling water, put a lid on it tightly, and let it steep for four to ten hours. Overnight is okay. Then I would strain it, squeezing the herb to get all the liquid out of it, Put the squeezed herb into the compost, or if I don't have a compost, I throw it out on the lawn, or if I'm in somebody's house, I put it in the house plants. The liquid is the nourishing herbal infusion that is refrigerated and generally drunk up within 48 hours. Stinging nettle provides every mineral, from the macro minerals to the micro minerals, needed by the human body. The tradition that I work in, the wise woman tradition, tells us that when we have the nourishment that we need, our bodies will function as well as they possibly can. That doesn't mean it's a miracle cure for all diseases, but modern medicine doesn't have a miracle cure for multiple sclerosis either, do they? No, they don't. The drug she's not taking wouldn't have improved her life. They have side effects. Oh, yeah, they do. And so, in in fact, they are seeing um, few to little uh, scarring in her brain, which is what the drugs are supposed to prevent. So this is something that I can not only say to you, you, like all human beings, benefit from drinking nourishing herbal infusions. But I can also remind you that study after study has found that there is no benefit of any kind to taking supplements. You mean vitamins? 
I mean anything in a pill form. Okay. So what I like to see people do, people who want to be healthier, no matter what state of health they're in, is to stop taking pills. And instead to aim for drinking a quart of nourishing herbal infusion a day. I have seen people get very good results with drinking as little as four quarts of infusion a week. It depends on, you know, what what amount of time and energy and focus you have for doing it. Making a nourishing herbal infusion literally is as simple as weighing out the herb, putting it in a jar, filling the jar with boiling water and straining it the next morning. It's an extremely simple thing to do, but you have to do it. It's not like something you can buy and just take a pill of. You actually have to do it. You have to actually have to, like, care for yourself enough to make it yourself and to have it right there for yourself. So you really have to to start activating that self-love. You know, modern medicine, scientific tradition, which measures and fixes, runs by fear. And what many people think of as alternative medicine, which I call the heroic tradition, runs on blame and shame and guilt. And the wise woman tradition instead asks us to start from self-acceptance and self-love. And to be willing to accept ourselves as we are, problems included. And build and nourish ourselves from there. And that really opens up the way for us to feel as well as we can possibly feel. Now, autoimmune diseases as a category are something that has also frustrated modern medicine. Because I like to keep my continuing education going, I just took a, um, a DVD course on virology. And um, one of the more interesting things was that there was um, fairly recently, I think within the past 10 years, um, a food poisoning that occurred in a Connecticut restaurant, and something like 350 people got food poisoning from whatever the food was. And they were able to follow these people, and they found that something like 10% of them went on to have autoimmune diseases. And this kind of, you know, solidified something that had been considered and talked about, which is that an autoimmune disease is an absolutely reasonable reaction by the immune system that doesn't stop when it should stop. And what they what they found in these people was because they had had the food poisoning and their immune system had to gear up to deal with the food poisoning, once the food poisoning was gone, the immune system didn't stop. It just kept on looking for things that looked like the food poisoning. And so it, it can wind up eating up your joints. It can wind up eating up your gut. It can wind up eating up various tissues in the body that would look like the previous invader that it was fighting against. One way that we can reset the immune system is to get extremely sick. Did that way last year? I'm sorry? I did that last year. So did you run a very high fever? I was in the hospital four times. Ask Daniel. Mm -hmm. I was uh-huh. extremely sick. I had ammonia at least three times. Uh, that's your immune died. system. That's a, your immune system doing its best to reset itself mm-hmm. and to get you back to where you need to be. So we can always offer herbs that are special nourishers to the immune system, and one of the best is astragalus, also called astragalus. Have you heard of it? Yes, I have. Yeah. So I like to rotate through several nourishing herbal infusions. Nettle is a tremendous ally. As I said, it's incredibly mineral-rich. It's protein-rich. It's vitamin-rich. It just does everything for us. So I like to see people working with nettle infusion. 
for people who want something that's really going to benefit the immune system, astragalus, the same thing, one ounce of dried astragalus in a quart jar filled to the top of the boiling water, tightly lidded, allowed to steep for four to ten hours, and then strained and refrigerated. Red clover infusion is a infusion that I very much like. It gives us all of the tremendous power of the bean family. Oat straw infusion is a lovely infusion. And I often tease because red clover is an herb of fertility that if you have a partner and you both drink red clover and then you drink oat straw, which is a sexual tonic, send me the baby picture. (laughs) (laughs) And linden, wonderful, wonderful linden blossom. I use only half an ounce of linden blossom, half an ounce of linden blossom in a quart jar filled at the top of the boiling water, tightly lidded, steeped for four to ten hours, strained, refrigerated, and drunk. The linden will stay good a little longer than the others. It'll probably stay good about 72 hours or about three days. And linden is a world champion anti-inflammatory. And as we know, just about all problems, including autoimmune problems, have an element of inflammation in them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Working with such a safe anti-inflammatory is linden, which is safe enough to be used by premature infants. Linden flowers? Linden flowers, yes. I have a YouTube channel, thanks to my daughter, and you can see me and my granddaughter making nourishing herbal infusions and talking about them at my YouTube channel. Okay. Well, you know, I'm interested in your um, one of your correspondent courses. Yes, I have four different correspondence courses, and I love the correspondence courses because once you're a correspondence course student, as far as I'm concerned, you're a student forever. Each course oh, like comes with, with a booklet of experiences and experiments that I'd like you to engage in, plus a list of books that you get to choose your books from, a list of audiovisual materials, and you get to choose your audiovisual materials, and three hours of talk time with me. And if you choose the double-length course, the ABC of Herbalism, you get not just 26 experiments and experiences, but 52 experiments and experiences, plus 20 problems like headache, stomach ache, and so on, and how I would deal with those, plus beginning work on developing a green ally. One of the other courses I have is the green ally course. My mentor, Gene Houston, taught us that you have two choices. You can either go a mile deep and an inch wide or a mile wide and an inch deep. ABC of Herbalism is a mile wide and an inch deep. You get a lot of stuff about herbalism in it. Green Ally is a mile deep and an inch wide. You choose one plant and you work with it for at least a year. My course, The Spirit and Practice of the Wise Woman Tradition, goes into much greater detail on the three traditions of healing that we've been talking about tonight. The scientific tradition, which measures and fixes. The heroic tradition, which cleanses and balances, neither of which is achievable. And the wise woman tradition, which nourishes wholeness. In addition, that course looks at the seven medicines. Serenity medicine, story medicine, mind medicine, lifestyle medicine, alternative medicine, pharmaceutical medicine, and high-tech medicine. I think we've done some shows on green magic, green medicine, on the seven medicines, haven't we? Uh, You have mentioned that before. You have mentioned it, certainly. Yeah. So um, it's not yet in book form, but every one of my books is based on the seven medicines, And the Spirit and Practice course goes into great detail on working with seven medicines and how you do that. It's obviously geared for people who are taking care of other people. And then perhaps my most playful course is the Green Witch course for people who want to increase their personal and planetary power, be more in touch with themselves and be more in touch with the earth that they live on. There's experiences and experiments like have an herbal beauty day. And my favorite reply to that from one of my students was, my avocado tree was ripe. 
and filled with ripe avocados. So I invited four friends over, and we smeared ourselves from head to toe with avocados, smushing it into our hair, our faces, and our skin all over, and then we washed off by swimming in the ocean. <laughs> that sounds like a very interesting, interesting day. day. Yeah, a very interesting day. <laughs> Uh, so those are the kinds of things we do in the correspondence courses. Very cool, very cool. And it, one synergy here, Susan, and I didn't really know, but I had a feeling that you were going to say nettle, and I actually brought a big bag of nettle here for Janice from my <laughs> from oh, the, from yes. the apothecary down the street. So <laughs> yes, thank you, Daniel, because I was actually thinking about nettle for a couple months now. Because last year my liver went south. Um, Dandelion is good. And uh, my doctors gave me like 30 pills, literally. Yeah, well, that, and your liver's not going to know what to do with that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it, it made my liver go even more south. Um, uh, but I look so much better now than I did this time last year. That's Daniel. Oh, yeah. You're yeah, kidding. my hair's growing back. Even my nails are growing back. Yeah. These are my real nails. These aren't fake. <laughs> so I know you can't see my nails, but Daniel can. So, <laughs> But it's it was a hell of a ride. Let's put it that way. I certainly hear that, and congratulations to you for Hanging on to that horse while it galloped along. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And uh, we've come actually to the end of our hour, Susan. Um, Indeed we have. um, I wanted to thank you again and also thank you for being a host on the Main Street Universe Radio Network with Green Magic, Green Medicine. Oh, yes. Thank you so much for that. I've certainly learned a lot. And if there's anything else you would like to plug, I know you plugged a bunch of the courses. I just thought right now I'd just say if there's anything you do, you run the Wise Woman Center, anything else you want to plug before we head out? Sure. You know, find me at SusanWeed.com, and I do keep the sun in Susan, but we bought SusanWeed.com and SusanWeed.com, so spell it or misspell it. You'll find my website, and if you're interested in going directly to the correspondence courses or my five wonderful books, Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Healing Wise, the second Wise Woman Herbal, the big green herbal for everybody, New Menopausal Years, the Wise Woman Way, Breast Cancer, question mark, Breast Health, exclamation point, the Wise Woman Way, and Down There, Sexual and Reproductive Health for Men and Women, the Wise Woman Way, all five books, all my correspondence courses, all of my apprenticeship opportunities are available at Wise Woman Book shop.com you can also get there from my website susanweed.com thank you Janice thank you Daniel I'm so honored to have had this opportunity to spread a little more joy Jean Houston I mentioned that she was my mentor and one of the things that we had to do working with her was to have a lifetime goal and one of my lifetime goals was to raise endorphin levels on the planet I think we've done that tonight (laughs) <laughs> All right. All right. I think we have too. I think so as well. And yeah, there's a Weston Price lady, by the way, just briefly in passing, that does uh, a part of that. The Weston Price, I, you said the name has changed. That does actually come into the store. I talk to her sometimes. She's one of my favorite people that comes into the store. <laughs> yes. It's now the Wise Traditions Foundation. Yes. Oh, that's yeah. it. <laughs> oh, yeah. But anyway, thank you, Susan. Thank you so much, Susan. Green blessings to you. Green blessings to you. And green blessings, herbal medicine is people's medicine. It's the medicine that grows right outside your door. All right. And thank you, everybody. You've been listening to Main Street Universe, the show reminding you that the mysteries and possibilities of the universe are closer to Main Street than you may have ever imagined. We've been talking to Susan Weed, and we'll be back in a month, except we'll be back with Susan next Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. So join us in our circle, and have a great evening. Have a great evening. Forbidden archaeology, forgotten history, divination, magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network.